Hello, and welcome back to Music Industry 360 Podcast, brought to you by Symphonic Distribution. I'm your host, Randall Foster. I am Chief Creative Officer at Symphonic, and with me today is Tom DeGeorge. Tom is the owner of Crowbar, which is a fantastic independent venue in Tampa. He was also one of the leaders of our Save Our Stages movement in cooperation with Neva, where he currently serves as Southeastern Regional President. And last but certainly not least, Tom is one of the co-founders of Detour, which is a touring consortium of independent venues. Tom, thank you so much for being here with us today. Randall, thank you so much for having me. So let's start at the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this venue ownership, independent music champion position you're in today? Well, as far as the venues go, what happened was uh, I was going to Penn State University. I was a major in criminal justice, and I was minoring in sociology. And like most college kids, while I was in school, um, I was working my way through school, bouncing in different um, bars and venues, and uh, did live music for a few years, graduated from college, and thought, you know what? I really dig this. I had done an internship in Atlanta in 96 at the Olympics and had been at the masquerade over there in Atlanta when it was at the old wood chip mill. And I thought that place is so cool. I'm going to put out some resumes in Atlanta. And I put out like 30 resumes in Atlanta. And the only place that responded to me was the masquerade in Atlanta. And I was a 23 year old kid with no general manager experience at that point, And they, brought me in for two days worth of interviews and uh, hired me. I always tell people it was the best paid internship I've ever had. I'm forever thankful to those guys. And uh, after a couple of years in Atlanta, they asked me to come down here to Tampa. Uh, I managed the masquerade here in Tampa from 2001 to 2006, which is where the Ritz, the historic Ritz Theater is. And that closed in February 2006. And at that point, I was like, you know, I think I want to open up my own place. So I opened up Crowbar in October 2006 and uh, 17 years later and in one pandemic, um, here we are, you know, and so uh, I, I, I got lucky. My number got called during the pandemic as somebody who uh, the National Independent Venue Association thought could could help um, help save our stages. And I'm incredibly grateful uh, for that opportunity that they gave me as well. Well, your advocacy there certainly was was incredible and impressive. Tell us a little bit more about Crowbar at large. Is, is As a venue, do you all focus on a specific genre of music? Is it known as a rock room, or are you across the board genre-wise, band-wise, et cetera? No, I think, you know, when we first opened, um, I, I email, you know, in interviews and articles and told people from the beginning, I said, I want to work with as many promoters as possible. I want to um, cover as many different genres as possible. I don't want to be pigeonholed into one type of music and I want to be um, a live music and special events venue that, that, you know, we could basically do anything and people wouldn't be surprised that it was a crowbar. Um, and I did do that. Um, I work with I mean, over the years, I've probably worked with 20 to 30 different independent promoters. Uh, currently, I probably work with about a little bit over a half dozen 
Um, and I think if you ask people that, you know, we, we've been able to do that, you know, it's, it's not abnormal here. Um, and my calendar would show it, you know, to have a metal show one night, a hardcore show the night after that, a bedroom pop show the night after that, a comedy show the night after that, hot dog eating competition the night after that. And, um, you know, an art show the night after that, you know, it's, um, I, I consider Crowbar a tastemaker venue, you know, that is always pushing the envelope. I, you know, 17 years and I'm still trying to recreate this place every chance I get, because I think if you can, um, continue to do new things and cut against things and reinvent yourself and stay relevant and make a major announcement every few weeks, I think that's how you, you stay in this game, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I, I've had the pleasure of um, attending events there, and, and I do think it's a fantastic space. The, the uh, You mentioned the sheer number of promoters you've worked with throughout the years. Um, do you find that that number is shrinking or growing at this point? I think it's shrinking a little bit. I think that, you know, it's been pretty vocal about this. We were able to extend our lease uh, to 2026. Um, my lease was supposed to end in 2022. Um, and I renegotiated it with my landlord during the pandemic. Um, not to flip back and forth, but when the Save Our Stages was happening and I was trying to raise that money and be a part of that team once we were getting the funding what i was finding was operators that were waiting to get their funding because they had fallen behind on their rent their their venues were getting sold out from under them um some landlords that, that were desperate for money were, were selling to um other people that were were i i saw that were moving from up north down south because up north they couldn't be open at all so people were coming down south and taking people's buildings. Developers also zeroed in on things because it was an easy time. Um, you know, like a hawk going for its prey. Developers, it was easy for them to come in. So I had talked to my landlord and said, listen, you know, I know Ebor's changing. I, I won't fall beyond on my rent. We're going to get this federal funding. But once I get it, I need time to be able to recoup and spend it, pay off any loans I took out. So I was able to extend that lease um, to 2026. Um, but then knowing too, that that would be some finality there. And so it's been important to me, um, knowing that we've got about roughly three and a half years left to take things to, um, a, a real level of professionalism and try to knock every single show we do straight out of the park. Um, I've been telling people I'm trying to pitch uh, fastballs and no hitters. I, I want every show to be memorable. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's hard to find that many people to work with that want to bring that level of intensity. When you're looking at each show now that's on the calendar and you know that you only have a certain amount of days, you, you want to make every, every show count, every show memorable. And I just, um, so I've minimized the promoters I'm working with because the calendar is becoming so full. I also, you know, through the state of our stages, they put a national spotlight on our venue. I had done, you know, for the advocacy I was doing, I mean, I'd been on CNN. I had done Fox Business News. I'd been the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Rolling Stone Magazine. So it really put a spotlight on the venue. So 
I'm also getting a lot of opportunities where bands are reaching out to me personally and and so and they want to play the room so it's just hard to include you know we have dates on the calendar right now that have 14 holds on them so it's just hard to work with you know that many you know even working with half a dozen promoters is a lot so that's well that's fantastic that you've tightened the reins and that you're working with fewer better promoters I'm sure that you're sharing promoter information with your other colleagues across the United States. Did that, was that kind of how Detour got its origins? Was just a sharing of resources and information? Do you want to tell us about Detour and, and, and where it started, the foundation there? Well, I think the, the foundation for Detour, you know, when, when we were doing the Neva work um, outside of those Neva calls, you know, there was discussion between a small group of us, like, what if once we get this done, we, we continue to collaborate with each other? I think, you know, prior to Save Our Stages, it, it, I don't think as an independent venue owner, that word independent, really important, you know? And so I think that originally the thought of collaboration didn't exist until we all were forced to meet each other. So once that happened and we had the relationship uh, outside of the NEVA meetings, some of us discussed like, well, what if we formed a separate entity that that we could do this type of work together where we could leverage our relationships in order to um, provide additional opportunities to independent venue owners and promoters around the country. And, um, it was the dream, you know, we worked on, you know, after going through such an incredible high of the Save Our Stages and getting that largest arts bill in history passed, it was uh, $17 billion. And we got $900 million here for the state of Florida with that incredible team of people. You know, the, the, the thought was, what can we outside of NEVA and Save Our Stages do next? So um, being the first ever company to bring independent venues together and promoters together all around the country and be able to route national tours um, while keeping all those offers in those venues, in those promoters, in those individual communities and, and lifting up um, small businesses all over the country. Um, that was the dream and we're doing it. You know, it's becoming a reality and it's, it's it's very rewarding that the, the work I've done from the pandemic and then on has been some of the most rewarding work I've ever done in my career. It's, it's surely been a blessing. Well, and I, and I love that streak of independence there. And as you know, Symphonic is we really pride ourselves on being independent and serving the independent community. And, um, you know, it feels to me like as I've watched the industry over the last several years, we're having more and more um, conglomerates just gobble everything up, whether it be on the publishing label side of things or in so many cases, the venue side of things. These rooms that we used to consider to be great independent rooms are no longer independent. And now you've got to be a part of this company or that company's routing. So I think, would you say Detour is a direct knee-jerk reaction to try to codify these independent venues against that sort of invasiveness? Well, I mean, what I would say is when 
now that we have a bird's eye view of the country and we can see that what's happening here in Tampa, what's happening to um, the way venues have had to move out of Ybor City, you know, or, or close completely because they can't find a room or can't afford the market because things are gentrifying. When I have a bird's eye view of the whole country and I can see that that's not a situation that's just happening here in Tampa, Florida, that that it, it's happening all over the country. It's happening, I know you know this, in Nashville um, to, to people like like the Exit Inn that's no longer owned by Chris Thought. You know, it, it's happening in Cleveland. It's, it's happening in Pittsburgh. Um, it's happening all over the country. So once you see that, and you realize it, for me at least, and I know the wish would be, you know, maybe if Crowbar could stay along, around longer, to me it's more like, just like how when the pandemic happened and I told people Crowbar will be okay no matter what. But if venues around the country close, Crowbar will close eventually by default because bands won't be able to get to Crowbar or other corporations will be monopolized in the industry and in will just be at a loss. So to me, I look at it and I'm like, I've been in brick and mortar, you know, 17 years here at Crowbar and another eight years for the masquerade. I've lived my dream, you know, for 25 years. I want to make sure that the next 25-year-old kid that wants to get into this industry, if they want to open up their own room, then it's a real possibility. So that's where for me at least, where Detour comes from. It comes from protecting our ecosystem and also keeping those independents around because independent venues are the true supporters of young local independent artists that eventually become the artists of the future that play Amelie Arena and Raymond James Stadium and the Amway Center. You know, people over the weekend, everybody was talking about Taylor Swift, which is phenomenal, you know, and, and shine down in three days grace over at Hamlet. All those artists start in places like Crowbar. You know, if you, you know, if in a perfect world, that's where they would start. Um, even the artists that break on TikTok now, if they don't have the ability to get better in a live link setting, their live performance isn't going to reach the levels it needs to. So it's vitally important that we protect these rooms and protect the independent ecosystem. And 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 that's what Detour is all about. It's not about being against anybody. It's just about being for the little guy and independent rooms and promoters all around the country because they're they're relevant and they're essential. They are truly essential to the ecosystem that we know and love so much. You can't and shouldn't uh try to control live music and live performance it, it it has to be free no you're you're fantastically stated i actually in in my prep for today's call i i found an essay you had written um that was shared right around the save our stages uh movement and, and uh you said as much in that essay but to our listeners i would, I would encourage you to google pound de george and check out the essay that he wrote because it it really the spirit of independent music and, and, and the trickle down effect of, of the economy with regards to you got to start on a small stage before you can get on a medium stage before you get on a big stage. 
um, is it hit so home, so far home for me because, as you said, we are running out of out of out of stages to play on. Um, is it worth talking on the on the detour side of things? Um, you know, you had made a comment to me about tour routing and about how you all had built the the capabilities of tour routing, basically coast to coast, all in independent rooms. Do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. You know, the way I look at it, we're detour. All we do is we we work as a middleman or a conduit to the agent, the manager, or the band themselves, and we tell we don't need the whole tour either. We can say, listen, if you know there's certain cities that you want to go into, that's great. But we have people in every market, so let us deepen your tour. And then, unlike um, the larger corporations that that throw money at the artist and then buy the entire tour, all we do is we reach out into those markets and we find the most suitable room for that artist where they're going to have the best experience. And we tell that person that they have 24 to 48 hours to put in their offer. And then we go collect those offers, bundle them together and top sheet them for the agent manager uh, or band and say, these are the dates we got for you. This is how much it's worth. So in essence, all that money still stays in that individual community, you know? So the venue, the money's staying with the venue. The money's going direct to the artist. Um, that independent venue, because we know independent venues support local. So that independent venue is going to hire the local person to do the gig poster. They're going to send the band to the local restaurant down the street to eat. They're going to advertise in the local publications like Creative Loafing. Um, and, and all that money is going to stay in those communities. Um, when we were doing the Save Our Stages, we would tell people that for every dollar that was spent on the show, like $15 was spent in the community. When it's an independently booked show, that's totally true because the people that come to the concerts um, spend all that money around their neighborhood. And then they also, you know, go to the restaurants, go to the hotels, shop a little retail. Uh, so all the money stays there. So Detour is just trying to, to keep that happening as much as possible and, and make sure that these local uh, local economies are lifted up, and and also the the venue owners and the artists are are having the best relationship possible, um, you know. So so the artists can grow and the venues can stick around. That's awesome. The uh, and I assume that the ticketing is all venue based, right? So you're not you're not centralizing the ticketing like some of the large. Conglomerate. No, no, it's all like I said. We just top sheet the offers. The venues still do everything they would normally do. So that's the other thing. With our network, we tell the venues and promoters that are in our network, like, listen, we're not trying to replace any booking strategy we do. We're just like Santa Claus. We're hoping to bring you five more shows a year that you wouldn't be able to get on your own because we're facilitating this process for somebody that 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 wouldn't have been able to go as deep as we possibly can, you know? And so we're really just gift wrapping shows for people. And then they just put in the offers. They use their own ticketing platforms. The only thing that we ask a promoter or a venue that we bring an event to is that they add a dollar surcharge on a ticket. 
and and that's really right now the only income that uh that the for brings in and that's simply just so we can eventually uh hire staff because right now those of us that founded it are, are continuing to do all the work on our own wow so you're you're running this entire organization with a one dollar surcharge and that's it well the detour detour itself you know once again this the money's put our money where our mouth is you know like the whole point of detour was not for detour to make money it was to lift up indies around the country we had the company itself we have no desire to make money we just need to be able to have functionality you know it, it's really about keeping indies alive you know it, it, that's and it's where my full focus is and and that's why you know having our founder group and our affiliate network um everybody involved feels that way you know and it's really special that's very cool i'm i'm actually i've pulled up your website here and i i assume that if an artist or a manager wanted to look at utilizing detour to to help fill out a tour across the united states they need only go to to the website yeah they go to the website there's an there's an email on there that people can email and go from there Awesome. And that's, that's D slash tour dot live for our listeners. Um, and there's a brilliant map here for our listeners that when you go to the website, you can, you can really envision routing all, all the way across the United States, um, in a very, very plain and simple way. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I, I knew a handful of the venues that were affiliated, but there's a lot more black dots on this map than I thought there were going to be Tom. Yeah. And it's constantly, I mean, we're constantly growing and evolving. When we first started, I mean, and you can see if you look at our founder network, you know, the different areas we're in. Of course, I'm here in a tertiary market in Florida. And then we have founders in, you know, Wichita, Kansas, Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Boise, or uh, Iowa, and our focus originally was on secondary and tertiary markets, you know, because those were the ones that we felt, you know, don't get noticed, need the most help. And so even just based off of our founding network, you know, we went into those areas that are less known first um, because those are the ones we figured, you know, probably get left out a little bit. And then we've just continued to grow from there into more major uh, markets. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually very impressed with your artist list here as well. I mean, there's some there's some bands and folks in there I I know and recognize well. Um, well, bravo, hat, hat tip to you all for what you're doing there. Um, I grew up in independent venues, and uh, taking it for fully for granted when I look back upon it, and um, and I just I can't imagine that I would be doing what I do today if it weren't for those venues and those opportunities that. That they brought me, and so uh, thank you to you and 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 the Heart Keys and everyone else for their time put in on on that front. Um, before we talk about the Heart Keys, though, <laughs> well, Heart Keys, I said the Heart Keys too. I mean, those people—they're doing Midtopia out there in Wichita, which is basically an organization. 
of artist development for all their artists out there. I mean, I, I know we don't have time to get into that, but man, what they're doing with Metopia out there is truly um, incredible, you know? And, and once again, that's, you know, their founders and, and much of their time is spent on lifting up young artists to try to get them to the next level, you know? And uh, it's just great work they're doing out there. Yep. Well, very familiar with it. I've got an artist that's, that's, it, that's part of that right now. So that's incredible. It's been, it's been fun to watch from the ground up for sure. So like we do in so many of these interviews, we don't sign off without me, uh, without me putting you a little bit on the spot. And so I have to ask you, uh, and this is all meant tongue in cheek, but currently what is your favorite band that you're listening to? It's gotta be a current band, though. nothing, nothing throwback. Somebody new, somebody fun that is on repeat right now in your Spotify account. Well, I say this a lot, so it's probably not going to be a big surprise. One of my favorite bands is Half Dead Will Travel. Um, I, I Every time I go on a road trip, I listen to them. Those guys have been my friends for a really long time, and I just, I'm a huge fan of theirs, personally and professionally, and uh, just love their music. Um, I really like, you know, Maricotta. Um good stuff and i you know it's hard to pick one but just because of my relationship with them i listen to them a lot and then um you know i i can listen to hip-hop all day long too you know so but if i had to say one band i'd say i've got a little travel awesome that, well it's the i half the reason i ask that question is because i learn of new bands i didn't already know about half the time when i asked that question um right on that's one that I don't, i'm not familiar with so now i've got something to listen to this afternoon um, look. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. We've covered an awful lot of ground. Um, everyone, Tom George, owner and proprietor of Crowbar Tampa and uh, and co-founder of Detour, which I think is just such an incredible um, benevolent act that you are all doing on behalf of independent venues and independent music. I am Randall Foster, and this is Music Industry 360, and you've been listening to Tom DeGeorge. Thank you so much for being here, and please come back regularly for upcoming episodes. We are available everywhere you go to find your podcasts. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.